Hey everyone, welcome to the pod. Bert Alcorn here. Uh, we are starting to come down from our uh, kind of mini series within a series of why we are doing what we are doing. Um, what is our conviction? How is God compelling us? What are some of the things he stirred in us um, to make some of the big and profound changes that we are making as a church? So we started this with just rooting ourselves in not only this big story of God, but the story he's been authoring in our local community over the last five or six years. Um, then we've been kind of working through two texts. One is Acts chapter five and, and some persecution by the church from the Jewish religious elite and how the early church's responses to hardship, inconvenience, and suffering was not moaning, complaining, or fighting for their rights, but joyfully uh, be joyfully rejoicing in the midst of suffering because we've been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And the response to that is to continue, no matter the resistance and circumstance, boldly teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. The second test that's been the second text that's been fairly shaping for us has been Luke chapter five, where Jesus uses this parable of wine and wine skins, and the idea that if we want the new wine God is giving us, we cannot put that in the old wine skin because that bursts and shatters and breaks, and then the wine is spilt and the wine skin is broken. But rather, we need a new wine skin to receive the new wine. And so, what we've been doing over the last couple of episodes is just unpacking what it is those old wine skins are. Are and what what the new wine skin that 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 will hold the new wine will be. So we've looked at the old wine skin of I go to church and how the new wine skin has to be we are the church, right? Subtle linguistic difference that has profound implications. Church is not something you go to, attend, or visit. It is a people you are a part of. The second old wine skin is I am a passive consumer. And how that new wineskin needs to be, I am a committed participant. So moving from passive consumer to committed participant. The third wineskin is I have secondhand experiences with Jesus. So remember, I I said this in the last episode as well. Like I don't believe anyone wakes up in the morning with malicious intent, hoping for these. But this is what we've been handed. This is what we've been living in. And this is what our culture tells us that is okay. And so we consciously or subconsciously buy into that permission structure. And the third wineskin, old wineskin, that God's got to break or is already breaking is I have secondhand experiences with Jesus. What does that mean? Well, too often we rely on a secondhand experience with Jesus to get us through the day. A sort of spiritual shot in the arm. And maybe that looks like we show up at church on a Sunday. As we think of church as an event, we show up to our event. Maybe we serve, but we don't actually read the Bible, pray, or have intimacy and connection with Jesus. That's that's for others. And, and, and almost in a um, stereotypically uh, Catholic uh, context where God gives to the priest and the priest gives to me, we say, well, I, I can't really, or I don't want to really have a, a moment with Jesus through prayer, scripture, fasting, silence, solitude, whatever it is. I'll rely on my pastor or my worship leader or my community group leader or a more mature mentor in my life to have those experiences and pass down their experiences to me. Jesus in the book of John has something really profound that we have to wrestle with. In John 15, verse 5, he says, and he's fleshing out this this kind of word picture 
um, that God, the father is the farmer. Jesus is the vine. And he says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides, that word abide is really interesting. It means to like dwell or to literally make your home in. Um, so it's, I mean, think of your house. It's to, to abide in your house means to make your home in the house, to, you know, put up some furniture, to put sheets on the bed, to put food in the pantry, in the refrigerator, to make your home in Jesus. He says, whoever abides, whoever makes their home in me and I in him, it's a two-way street, he or she it is that bears much fruit. Okay, so he's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You have to be connected. Branches that are not connected to the vine die and wither. So you have to be connected to the vine to be alive. And Jesus says, whoever makes their home in me and I in him, this two-way street, whoever, whoever takes up residence in me and I take up residence in them, that's when you bear fruit. And fruit is the mark of a healthy branch. A branch that doesn't bear any fruit is not healthy because it's not connected to the vine. And he goes on to make this final scathing comment. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I believe this is getting at the heart of why so many Christians are struggling with a capital S without the Sunday service the way they used to know it. Because we've depended so much on that event, as beautiful and life-giving as those meetings can be, we've depended on that event to prop up our faith and to be the only loose connection to the vine we have. And when that's taken away, or when the way we like it is taken away, and then thus we disengage and pull out, what happens to our faith? What happens to our connection to Jesus? It dries out. It's not there anymore. Because we need that for spiritual vitality. And and while I would say the Christian needs the gathered church for spiritual vitality, if that one time, one hour Sunday event was your only connection to Jesus, and in this season that has been taken away, you will shrivel up. You will deconstruct your faith. You will pull away into isolation away from community. You'll let other voices be louder than the voice of God. You'll let other sources of input be more authoritative than the Bible. I believe success right now for the follower of Jesus is rejecting consumer Christianity, church shopping, attending an event to get your spiritual shot in the arm, and embracing real and true apprenticeship to Jesus. Let me say that again. Success right now. You think, how do I win? What does success look like? How do I know if I've been the language of the Bible fruitful and effective? For the follower of Jesus, success is rejecting consumer Christianity. Where it says, I want what I want. I will receive, I will receive but not give. I will do a la carte church. I will take what I like from the church. And if I start to not like this church, I will leave. 
It's rejecting that. It's rejecting church shopping that just hops around looking for the best show in town, looking for the perfect church, which according to the great London preacher, Charles Spurgeon, there will never be a perfect church. And if you happen to find it, you'd ruin it by showing up. Rejecting consumer Christianity, church shopping, and simply attending an event to get your spiritual shot in the arm, to get that secondhand experience with Jesus and embracing real and true discipleship and apprenticeship to Jesus. Embracing deep communion with Jesus, no matter the circumstance. This this living and constant awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit in the everyday things of life. It's cultivating practices and habits or a rule of life to build your life on that will shape you into the person Jesus has made you to be. The old wineskin says, I have secondhand experiences with Jesus, which, which are fine and good. But when that's taken away, has this season exposed that you actually don't have firsthand experiences with Jesus through prayer, through worship, through scripture reading, through silence, through solitude, through fasting, through generosity, through simplicity, whatever it is, however we practice, however we embrace the spiritual disciplines, however we are with Jesus, the coronavirus season has exposed you either have firsthand relationships with Jesus or you don't. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I, I don't think actually the coronavirus has created too much in our culture, if anything. I think it has simply exposed and amplified what is already there. So if you didn't really read your Bible before, you're certainly not reading it now. If you don't really, if you were not committed to um, generosity in the local church sitting, you're definitely not giving away money now. If you were not committed to serving others, you're definitely not serving others now. You're, you're hoarding, you're being self-centered. All, all the coronavirus season has done was exposed and amplified what was already there. You think it was hard to engage in quiet moments with Jesus before the coronavirus. You bet it's hard now. This is an old wineskin that we've got to break, that our spiritual existence is based on secondhand relationships with Jesus. We have to embrace real, true apprenticeship, firsthand experience with Jesus. One more maybe picture to just help flesh this out a little bit. You know, we don't have apprentices too often in, in careers and trades, but there, there still are some. Um, you know, I think f- in fine art, you might have a master apprentice relationship. In um, trades like uh, plumbing and electricity, you might still have, you know, kind of a master apprentice relationship. But what, what is like the defining characteristic of an apprentice? That they're apprenticing someone, Right. No one's a generic apprentice. You're an apprentice of someone. So if you're a, you know, a a growing artist and you're an apprentice artist, then you do have a master artist that you're apprenticing after. Now, let's play this out. If there is a master artist, there's an apprentice artist. And then if we are off to the side with a sketchbook, just talking with an apprentice of the master, are we also an apprentice of the master? No. 
you are not. If our only experience with the master artist is through their apprentice, the best we have are secondhand stories, experiences, and moments of the master. Now, are those stories and experiences and moments bad? No, they're actually quite beautiful. They're profound. We can be deeply stirred and moved to those things. We can even want to align our life more closely to what we've heard about the master. But the thing about an apprentice is they're with their master. I believe so many people in that little third space of just talking to other apprentices, but have no working knowledge of being with Jesus. It's different. In the Greek, there's these kind of two words when we, when we, um, uh, when Jesus and Paul and Peter and all that are talking about knowing him, there's two words, there's gnosis and epignosis. Now, gnosis is like a intellectual kind of knowledge, like you can read about someone in a textbook. Epignosis is when you actually have firsthand experiences. So it's, 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 it's the difference between um, chatting with someone like online, like an online dating software, online dating app, and actually like getting a coffee with them in person. You can get lots of facts, you can get lots of details, you can get the biography of a person online, but until you actually like sit down with them over coffee and know them experientially, that you actually find out about that person. Now, are those facts unimportant? Is it unimportant that I know facts about my wife, Sherry? No, of course not. It's actually crazy important that we would know those facts and know those things. But if I only had those facts about Sherry and I did not actually have experiential knowledge of Sherry, could I say I know Sherry? I don't think so. You know about Sherry. So often, so much of our Christianity and a Christian experience and church experience has been shaped around how can we know things about God rather than how can I know God? That's why we as a church have have put forward a community rule of life to structure our life in a way where we say we want people to not just know about God, but know God. The old wineskin that says, I have secondhand experiences with Jesus. Maybe I know a lot about God. We got to put that to death in and of itself. We have to go from those secondhand experiences to firsthand experiences with Jesus, or we will never get the thing Jesus is trying to give us in this season. So, a couple of questions. Where have you tried to replace? First-hand experiences with Jesus, with second-hand. Once again, I want to I want to say, second-hand experiences with Jesus, not all that bad. They're tragically bad when they replace those first-hand moments. I hope you guys are tracking there. So where have you replaced what should be a first-hand experience with Jesus with a second-hand experience of Jesus? It's the first question. The second question is, What would it look like for you to build rules, rhythms, habits into your life to make space for a firsthand relationship with Jesus? Reading scripture won't just happen, not just because you have some spare time. Praying, fasting, silence, all none of these things will just happen. You have to be intentional about them. So, how can you build in rhythms, habits, patterns to make space? for first-hand experiences with Jesus. 
All right, that's it for today. Uh, Happy Monday, and we will be back tomorrow with another episode.